0: starting from verse 31. Verse 31. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. When he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is God's word to us.
1: Good morning uh, to all of you. Uh, my name is Ben Ho, and I'm the senior pastor of this church uh, that you're looking watching in today, uh, SLE, St. Lucia Evangelical Church. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, for our special service uh, our church at home uh, a Christmas uh, service uh, in the lead up to Christmas. It's certainly worth our while, I think, getting to know more about the Christ of Christmas. Uh, so I'm I'm thankful that uh, you're joining us today. If this is your first time joining an SLE church gathering, especially warm welcome to you. I hope that you get to know a bit more about our church uh, through some of the church folk uh, that you're gathered with this morning. In a moment, I'll be explaining God's Word uh, that was just read out to us a few moments ago. It would be great to have your Bibles open in front of you to follow along in Luke 18. You'll also be able to download an outline of this message from the QR code that will be coming up on the screen uh, right now. So if you want to scan that and uh, have the outline in front of you, if that helps you, uh, please do that. Now, before we dive into our Bible passage today, uh, let me pray for us. Great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us together today and for this opportunity to explore more about the Christ of Christmas. Please help us to see and understand the things that we may not have seen and understood before. And in doing so, may we find glorious hope and salvation today. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I wonder, have you ever done one of those uh, icebreaker activities? Maybe you arrived uh, 10 minutes early today and your host uh, decided to do an icebreaker activity. Uh, and maybe it's one of those questions like, um, if you had to lose one of your five senses, uh, which would you choose? Right? If you had to lose one of your five senses, which would you choose? Well, for me, I think of the five senses, I would choose sight as the one I would most hate to lose. I really love having sight. Uh, I turned 40 a few years ago, uh, and literally overnight, uh, my eyesight started failing me. Things just started getting blurrier and blurrier. I've pretty much given up uh, reading menus in dimly lit restaurants. I've got reading glasses all over the house. It's such an annoyance, and I know it's only going to get worse uh, as the years go by. But let's be honest... Uh, I have it pretty easy being long-sighted and having some blurry vision when I have to read, Uh, but I often wonder what it's like for those who uh, have had serious visual impairments or total blindness since birth, or people who develop a visual impairment and lose their eyesight at some later point in life. Uh, I kind of think of the tragedy of not being able to see the beauty in the world that's all around us, and not being able to take in the copious amounts of information that comes through sight. I mean, as they say, isn't it, a picture paints a thousand words. If we couldn't see, so much we'd lose. It's such a terrible and tragic thing. But it's not just lacking physical sight, I think, that's terrible. There's also uh, other kind of lack of sight that's problematic, isn't it? For instance, being uh, lacking insight. Lacking insight isn't a great thing either, is it? Sometimes, you know, we look at something and we just don't get it. Everyone else sees and they get it, but we see and we just don't get it. Take for instance this painting, right? It's a painting of Jesus. It's called Salvatore Mundi, uh, which means savior of the world. It was painted by Leonardo da Vinci. Uh, It is the most expensive painting ever sold in history, being sold in 2017 for a whopping US $450.3 million. $450.3 $450.3 million U.S. million for this painting. Uh, I just don't see it, right? How could a painting be worth that much? And to be honest, this painting just doesn't look very good, does it? Well, I don't like it, and I wouldn't put it up in my house, no matter how much it's worth. But you know, lacking insight into art, well, it's not really a big deal. But in other areas of, of, of life, uh, to lack insight, to be able to not be able to assess risk, for instance, or in our dealing with people, or in knowing ourselves, lacking insight in these areas can result in a total disaster. Now, one more sight issue uh, that I can think of has to do with hope. Right? Hope is a sight issue as well, isn't it? Because hope is fundamentally about seeing. Hope is seeing into the future something that is positive, and desirable, something. A future that is better than the present. To lose sight of a better tomorrow, a positive change in circumstances, uh, growth uh, in self and in relationships, to lose optimism that problems can be eventually overcome. Well, it is a tragic thing. As Dostoevsky puts it, to cease to hope is to cease to live. Having no sight, no, uh, can't see into the future it is a tragic thing. Now, finally, I want to raise another and I guess our most prominent sight problem that I want to talk about today, and that is the issue of seeing Jesus properly or not seeing Jesus properly. This too is an insight issue, isn't it? But it's also a hope issue, as I'll hopefully show you through today's passage. Now, at this time of the year, yeah, you know, Jesus is everywhere to be seen and heard, isn't he? At any time of the year, uh Jesus is, is is kind of everywhere really, which we as we drive past churches with crosses on it, uh and we know that they are part of a Christian or Catholic church that has Jesus as part of their tradition. Um we go to Christian and Catholic schools. Our prime minister famously is a Jesus follower, as the media loves to point out. One guy I know actually has uh, Jesus Christ tattooed on the inside of his arm in a really beautiful vintage font. Uh, The strange thing is, he's not actually a believer. Uh, He's not actually a Christian. He just has this really good feels about Jesus growing up. And for some reason, he felt like he wanted to tattoo Jesus Christ on his arm, and he can't really explain it. Now, in many ways, we all see Jesus, right? People see Jesus everywhere, especially during this Christmas time. Everyone has some kind of view of him. Uh, He's a historical figure or a baby in a manger, a religious icon, uh, a role model. Other people think he's just a myth, just a man or a mean guy or perhaps even a menace to society. But who is Jesus really? And that is what our passage is about. It's a passage that is driven by the theme of sight, right? Driven by the theme of sight that the tragedy of physical blindness is part of this story, but it is there to highlight the greater tragedy of spiritual blindness, of not having the proper insight into who Jesus really is. The great joy and promise held up by today's message is this, seeing Jesus rightly gives us hope. Seeing Jesus rightly gives us hope. Spiritual sight secures for us an eternal and joyous salvation. Now, the Gospel of Luke is like a biography of Jesus. We're going to dive into this passage. The the Gospel of Luke, this book, uh, is a biography of Jesus. Dr. Luke, uh, from the first century, uh, gathered together eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life and put it together in this book. Now, if you look at the beginning of the book of uh, Luke, uh, it begins with the birth of Jesus. Uh, Much of the story that we know and many of us love about Christmas Comes from uh, the beginning part of Luke. Uh, it is a famous, well-known story, and it can almost all be found in the couple of first couple of chapters of Luke's book. But here in chapter 18, as we near the end of Jesus' life, uh, we, we read these th- these stories. In, in fact, uh, chapter 18 is about 10 days before Jesus dies on the Roman cross back in the first century. It's about 10 days before his death. And for the past three years, previous to this story, Jesus had been performing great signs right throughout um, Judea and Galilee, the area in which he lived, performing great signs to show that he wasn't just some ordinary guy, but that he was in fact God's son, right, God's appointed king, the Christ, who will bring in God's eternal kingdom. Jesus went about for those three years teaching about the kingdom of God, what it is and how to enter it. He taught to the crowds that flocked to him in the places where he traveled, and especially to his 12 closest friends, his disciples. And he made it clear uh, throughout these three years what his mission was, why it is that the Son of God came into this world. And here in our passage in chapter 18, verses 31 to 33, he makes it clear one more time. All right, have a look. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 33. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. You see, the city of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, was Jesus' destiny. He was born to die. That was his mission. This wasn't some random accident of history. It was actually something that was written about, prophesied about in the Old Testament prophets from hundreds of years before. It was what Jesus predicted over and over again would happen to him. The important issue of Christmas is not so much that Jesus came, but why Jesus came. It's not so much that Jesus came, but it's why did he come? What was his mission? What was his purpose? You see, the birth of Jesus Christ by virgin birth, famously told, uh, as uh, miraculous as it was, uh, by itself, it doesn't save, right? The virgin birth, as miraculous as it it is, it doesn't save. His perfect and sinless way of life, by itself, doesn't save. His flawless example of loving God and loving others, by itself, it doesn't save, Even his teaching, the greatest teaching ever given to humanity, his teaching itself doesn't save. There was a price that needed to be paid for our sins. We needed salvation from our sins and only someone could do that. Jesus did that and he had to do that by dying on a cross. See, Jesus was born to die, but his death would not be the end. He would rise from the dead, the clearest proof that sin had been paid for and that death has been defeated. This is why we say that Jesus brings hope all right, into the world. He is the hope. Uh, he is the life uh, in this darkened world that has been destroyed and damaged by sin. Now, so up front in this passage today, uh, Jesus is shown to us clearly. Right, Jesus comes to fulfill God's eternal plan of salvation. His death and resurrection is central to understanding who Jesus is and what He came to do, to understand His mission. Now the focus then shifts to the 12 disciples of Jesus. Uh, and we see that their eyes are closed to who Jesus is. They don't get it. Have a look, verse 34. But they, the disciples, understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. Now, if you were to read uh, the beginning of Luke chapter 18, we've already come across people who don't see Jesus properly. Right at the beginning of the chapter, there is a a story told about a Pharisee, right? To highlight that there are self-righteous people all throughout our world who do not see any need for Jesus. Self-righteous people who feel like they can stand before God simply the merits of their own goodness, of their own righteousness, of their own um, uh, behaviors, and certainly compared to other people who are terrible, who they look down on, who they show contempt for, they will be fine with God. Right? Self-righteous people who don't see any need for Jesus. In the pre- in the passage prior to this one, we see a rich young ruler who saw Jesus as being far less valuable than his money and his possessions. He wouldn't really want Jesus more than he wants his money and stuff. But here we see that the disciples also didn't see, which is really very strange and very shocking because these 12 disciples, out of all of the people in the entire world, had the greatest knowledge, the greatest exposure to Jesus. You see, for three years, they had been in UJC, right? The University of Jesus Christ. And this was a full time course for them, right? It was intensive classes, uh, fully residential or access. Jesus was the subject matter, the content of the course. He was the lecturer, the professor. He was also the personal tutor. He was also, you know, their, their headmaster, their guidance counselor, and their dorm leader. Yet, they understood none. Nothing, nada, nil. How could it be that these three years, full-time disciples of Jesus didn't see and understand? Well, you see, these these Jewish disciples, I think they had expectations and hopes about the king, about the Christ that God promised in the Old Testament. They had read the Old Testament, and they come to expect that God's king Will come in a certain way, in an all conquering, with all conquering power to vanquish all of God's enemies and all of the enemies of God's people. Right? All the forces, all the nations, and all the peoples that have persecuted and have oppressed them all through their history. You see, for many Jews, they saw God's plan of salvation as a deliverance from worldly troubles, as victory against all their earthly enemies. And so for the disciples, it just didn't make sense. All this talk about Jesus being mocked and being shamed and being beaten and then finally being killed, and not just killed in any way, but as we read in other places, killed on a cross, the most shameful and most painful uh, form of of death, right, that was invented, I think, in all of humanity. What kind of all-conquering and victorious king, God's king at that, gets killed? On a cross. Now getting killed, that's not just the end, but that's the greatest defeat, getting killed by your enemies. How can a king be killed by his enemies? Rising from the dead? <clears throat> you know, for them back then, and even for us today, people don't rise from the dead. It's just not on the cards. It was just too unexpected. It was just too strange a concept for them. Surely this can't be God's grand plan. And so even though Jesus kept telling them so clearly over and over again, this is the sixth time, by the way, that he's taught them about his death, they understood nothing. They don't grasp. They refuse to see. They were doing this to themselves. They were hearing, but they just didn't want to understand. But it's so interesting, isn't it? In verse 34, if you look at it, in verse 34, they were also told that this understanding was actually hidden from them. It was hidden from them. Now the question is, hidden by whom? Well, clearly it has to be hidden by God. Now it could be that God had not yet given them the ability to see and understand these grand truths. It could be, as we, have, as we read elsewhere in the Bible, that God blinds the eyes of those who don't want to see. They've made the choice not to believe what Jesus says, so God blinds them from the truth that they don't want to see. Now, we have 12 disciples, best positioned to see and understand, but they were blind to Jesus and God's plan. What hope then is there for anyone else? What hope there is there for anyone else? Well, let's read on. Verse 35. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, so we have here now a physically blind man, but he sees Jesus in a way that the disciples and the crowds don't. For the crowds, they see Jesus as uh, Jesus of Nazareth. You know, it's it's a bland, generic description. It's just like someone saying of me that I am Ben of Brisbane, right? Well, whoop-de-doo, so what, right? It doesn't say much to say that I'm Ben of Brisbane. Jesus of Nazareth is just bland and generic. But you see, the blind man who who hasn't had front row seats to the Jesus show, not that he'd be able to see anything, uh, who hasn't been in the three-year full-time residential or access University of Jesus Christ, following Jesus around, the guy who's only probably only heard bits and pieces about Jesus and has pulled together enough information to see Jesus as the one who is the son of David, the son of David. Now, this title is lost on most of us, but for a Jew at that time, it was a title of immense significance. The son of David was the hope of Israel. It was the Old Testament Messiah, the Christ, the prophesied king who will bring about salvation and deliverance and restoration. Now, earlier on in Luke's gospel, Jesus himself quotes from one of the Old Testament prophecies about this savior, this Christ, this king. Turn back to Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. Now read it out for us. And Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, somehow, this blind man came to have this kind of understanding, this kind of spiritual insight into Jesus. And so strong was his belief that he kept persisting, trying to fight his way through the crowds, ignoring all the rebuking, the scolding of the crowd who had dismissed him as someone who was an annoyance and someone like him shouldn't be coming up to this religious celebrity, right? But he was fighting his way, this blind man, through the crowd to get to Jesus. But the best insight that this blind man had was to call out to Jesus, the son of David, for mercy, right? He saw in Jesus someone who could give him mercy, to give him compassion, to give him the help that he needed. For him, he saw Jesus as the hope for his troubles, the hope for his troubles. And Jesus, compassionate that he is, merciful that he is, responds to this blind man's cry, He commands the crowd to let the blind man through to be brought to him. And he asks the blind man, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus gives this man one more chance to express his need, his desire. Lord, recover my sight. And Jesus gives him what he asked for. And Jesus makes it clear why it is that this man receives back his sight. Jesus says, recover your sight, your faith has made you well. You see, it's because this man saw Jesus rightly with spiritual eyes, enough to have faith in Jesus, to call out to him as the son of David and to ask him for mercy. And so now this man, he has it all. Not only does he have spiritual sight, he now has physical sight as well. He is made well in the fullest sense of the word. Now, interestingly, the Greek word for being made well or being healed is the exact Greek word for being saved, right? It's the same word in Greek. Now, I think that's why Jesus performed so many healing miracles in his three years where he performed many signs. You see, these healing miracles, they're all precursors. They're all foretastes, previews, and preparations for the full and final healing of salvation that Jesus will bring about, the salvation from all of the destructive and damaging effects of sin. Now, what a contrast, isn't it, this blind man is to the 12 disciples and to the rich young ruler and to the self-righteous Pharisee from earlier in the chapter. The disciples, they didn't see, so God hid the truth from them. But the blind man, he does see, so God, so Jesus, opens his eyes. Now, visual impairment, I think you'd agree with me that it is a great tragedy. Now, physically, that's certainly true, but spiritually, it is really true as well, right? To not have spiritual sight to be able to see Jesus. Now, everyone has some kind of view of Jesus, Uh, We may dismiss him simply as a a myth or just some man. Uh, Or we can maybe even acknowledge that he's a historical figure, but no more. Perhaps he's one religious figure out of so many of the smorgasbord, the buffets of religions out there in the world. Perhaps we see him as a great example or perhaps a dangerous influence. Maybe he's a source of great good, but maybe some see him as a cause of horrific harm. He is someone to be ignored, rejected, or opposed, or someone to be respected revered and worshipped. Who is Jesus really? What does the Word of God, the original source, show? Well, hopefully we've seen today, we've seen from God's Word that He is God's plan for salvation, that He is God's Son, God's King. He was born to die to deal with our problem of sin He was raised to life to give victory over sin and all that sin has destroyed. From God's word today, we have seen that he is the reason why we can look forward to the future with hope. Now for me and for many of us who are watching in today, this is the way that we see Jesus, right? From God's word. And it is our hope uh, and I'll pray that those of you who are family and friends will be able to see Jesus in this way also. Now, I don't see why the painting, uh, Mundi, is worth 400.3 million US dollars. But I can see why Jesus, the Savior of the world, is worth far more than that. He is worth far more than that. What about for you? What about for you? How do you see Jesus? How valuable, how precious is He? Now, I'm really glad that Christmas is such a big deal in Australia. Right? It still is a big deal, isn't it? Yes, you know, there's less and less Christ in Christmas in our secular society. Uh, most places now don't really show a nativity scene uh, as part of Christmas anymore. But you know what? Christ is still in Christmas in the word itself, isn't it? You kind of run away. Christ is there in Christmas. And I think it's God's gift to all of us that Christ still remains uh, prominent in Christmas and prominent in society, that you you cannot drive for more than five minutes without seeing a cross somewhere on top of a church or a chapel. You can't not go to Christian and Catholic schools. You can't not have Christians, Jesus believers surrounding you. I think it's a gift of God because it is God helping us to see Jesus, for Him to to be raised up to our eyelines once more, for us to be able to investigate, to perhaps see that Jesus really is your hope and your salvation. The invitation from God this morning is to see Jesus with eyes of faith. And the great thing we see here is that Jesus is in the business of opening up our eyes to see Him. Jesus promises that those who seek will find. Jesus is in the business of opening eyes of those who want to see him with faith. You know, Jesus Christ, faith, salvation, these have become, you know, dated, haven't they, in our world today? Old-fashioned, uncool, perhaps even offensive ideas in our time and culture. But you know what? Hope is still what we all need, isn't it? Hope is still what gets us up in the morning and what makes us think that life can be better than what it is today. And the world offers up many options for hope, but have they been able to deliver? Will they ever be able to fully deliver on the hope of a better tomorrow? Will they be able to deliver us from this world that is so broken by sin, where we feel that the daily effects of sin in our own lives and the daily effects of sins from other people impacting upon us? the problem goes deep, very, very deep. It can all feel so hopeless and helpless at times. But God offers Jesus as our hope. God offers us mercy through Jesus. And all that we need is to cry out to Jesus in faith. All that we need to, to do is to cry out to Jesus for mercy. And when we do, mercy is what we will receive. What we will receive is, is salvation salvation and deliverance now and forever. Not that all our problems will be fixed, but that we will know Jesus with us and we will know the future where all will be made right with God. You know, such good news this is that we see at the end of our story, the blind man who has now been saved, he goes off glorifying God, giving glory to God. He's, he's filled with joy and with gratitude and with great relief and all because of what God has done for him. And we see the crowds who are watching in, they too give spontaneous praise to God because a truly great thing has happened here. Spiritual sight to see that Jesus is the Savior of the world. That is our hope. I hope it is your hope as well. Let me pray in praise to our great God, giving Him the worship that He deserves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that in Your great love and mercy, You sent Your Son, Jesus, into this world. We thank You that during Christmas time, uh, even though I guess the world celebrates it in all kinds of ways today, it's still a time for us to remember the Christ of Christmas, that He is Your Son, Your King, Your Savior, that was sent into this world to be born in order that he might die, in order that he might pay and deal with the effects of sins that has brought such damage and destruction to our world and to our lives. We thank you that he was sent into this world not just to die, but to be raised from the dead in victory, to show us that sin has been defeated, to show us that the effects of sin has been dealt with, and that we can look forward to a future uh, with Jesus uh, that is filled with joy and goodness and all things made right. Father, we see Jesus in many ways today. Please help us to have the spiritual sight to see Jesus as he truly is, to see him as our hope, to come to him in faith, asking him for mercy. And we thank you that those who seek, you promise, will find. Those who desire to see with faith will be given eyes to see. And so we pray, Father, you help us to see Jesus, to give us hope. In his name we pray. Amen.